hard to believe that a, another year is in the books. How many find that hard to believe? It seems like it was yesterday we were having a message going into the new year, you know, and another 365 days that are gone, and we're going into a new year, and as Grant and Brian both talked about, we're starting a little two-part series today called What Matters Most, and today we're going to, I pray, and have been praying hard that your approach, your attitude towards the new year would be different when you leave here. That you would go with fresh eyes for the new year, a fresh heart for the kingdom, a fresh heart for what God has for each one of us. Scripture I want to read to you comes from Psalm 39, verse 4. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. What a great prayer. That word brief stood out to me. My brief time on earth. You know, when you're little, it seems like you have forever. But life just keeps marching on and it goes by fast. And I want to ask you a couple questions. And I hope they don't come across as trite questions. I hope they come across as probing questions to your heart. Because we as a congregation were hit with, with losing loved ones this year hard, unexpected. And I know it, it, it rocked me and, and sobered me. And it, it should do that because life is brief. Let me ask you a couple questions. What would you do if you had one month to live? What would you do if you had one month to live? I know that may sound trite, but it's a good question to ask yourself Because none of us are guaranteed anything. And so what if you knew today you got the report, four weeks you have to live. What would be different about your life? What would you value most? What would you value most? That's another question I want you to think about. What would you value most if you knew you had four weeks left, one month? How does... How does what you would value most, most, knowing that you have four weeks, how would that line up with how you're living today? How you spend your time today? How would that line up? Because don't we think, ah, I got time for that. I got time for that. I got time for that. How can I specifically pursue these values in my current lifestyle? That's what I'm getting at. The things that you would value most if you knew you had this short amount of time left how, how can you then pursue them in your current lifestyle? And then maybe lastly, what might I need to change so that I can achieve these consistently? Answer, uh, as we go into the, to the new year, as we go making resolutions, we're going to set goals. People are going to lose weight. People are going to read the Bible from cover to cover. You're going to start a business. You're going to st- step out somewhere in faith. Everybody, we all start thinking about that. I love New Year's. It's, it's one of my favorite times of the year because, in a sense, it's, it's kind of like the gospel. It's novation. It's, okay, the past is in the past. I get a new beginning. I get a, I get a new year to start over, if you will. It's a good starting point. Well, my prayer for us is that our number one resolution above anything to do with physical health, this or that or whatever it is, would be that we would live in light of what matters most. Because I know if you live in light of what matters most, everything else will line up the way it's supposed to. If you will set your heart towards living for what matters most. How do we do that? Let me give you a few simple points this morning. First thing I would tell you is this. Don't blink. 
right? We, we, we blinked and another 365 days went, went by and it's going to be Christmas again. And I'm going to be up here saying the same thing and we're going to be hitting the... It's like, wow, where does time go? Another birthday, another 4th of July, another Thanksgiving, another summer break, etc. I had those out of order, but you know what I meant. Another football season, another baseball, another Little League, another soccer. Well, soccer goes forever. I don't know why that happens, but those of you that are soccer parents know that. But Kenny Chesney made that song famous, Don't Blink. I love that song because he talks about in there... The story of the song is that he was watching TV and there was a, a man that was turning 102. And he said, they asked the guy, what's the secret to life? You're 102, you're, you're filled with wisdom. And he said, don't blink. <laughs> That's kind of the chorus. Don't blink because, bam, life flies by. Life is so brief. James, who was the, the half-brother of Jesus, he writes in his epistle, he says, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while. And then vanishes. Now that's not saying that your life is not important. Your life is so important that God gave his only son to come and live and die for you. So you were that important to God. You're that significant to God. But from the timeline of eternity past to eternity future, our little amount of time that we get on this earth is not even a speck of dust on that timeline. It's so brief. Eternity is forever and ever and ever. And so our time on earth, our time in these bodies is short. I remember my, my dad telling me when I was about 15, 16 years old when I shaved for the first time. He taught me how to shave. I mean, he had a dad teach him how to shave. Well, poor you. You had to figure out. No wonder. That's, oh, okay. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I had a dad, te- my dad taught me how to shave. And I remember he taught me, and then about a week later, because when you're 15, 16, you don't shave a whole lot, right? You shave, and it takes two months for something to grow back. But he saw me shaving, and he said he looked down the hall, and he said, man, I blinked, and he was shaving. He went from this little guy, boom, I blinked, to here's my son shaving. Well, he blinked again, and now I have a Santa Claus beard. I could be Santa Claus next year. I'm working on the other part, but I got this part. I could do that easy. It's so true. I blinked, and my children went from little toddlers, little Isabel, to 18 and all in high school, 18, 16, going on 15. Oh, I, how, what? And I know, as a dad, I spent time. I was there. It's still, even when you're in the trenches, still goes by super fast. I have a specific playlist on my iPod that is all about songs that are all about the brevity of life and live life to the fullest kind of songs. It's my positive playlist. So not positive, encouraging K-Love, but it's positive, my positive playlist. And, and living life to the fullest. Because the fact is, all of us are going to have to go through the doorway of death. It's brief. Life is brief. As we As I said, we were hit as a congregation this year with how brief life can be. We need to contemplate what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 7.2 when he said, Death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Meaning, the more I contemplate the reality that I don't know how much time I get and the amount of time that I have is actually brief anyway, should make us live better. It should make us live more full 
knowing that you talk to somebody that, that, that knows how much time they have left, they're trying to live their life more full. They're trying to get it all in at the last minute. I, uh, I forgot my illustration. Again, I'm losing my, you're going to like this. I'm losing my marbles because there's marbles in my jar up here. Somebody gave me this a couple years ago. And what it is, is it, there's a little sticker. It's from Psalm 90, 12. Teach us to number our days so that we grow in wisdom. And it says the life expectancy of a U.S. female is 79, and the life expectancy of a U.S. male is 76, give or take, right? So each year, you take from one side of the life marbles and you put it in. Another year in the book, another year in the book, another year in the book. Well, if you notice, there's 47 marbles in this side. You didn't know that. You thought I was 29, but I'm actually 47. And I'm beyond the halfway point. I got some, I got some more living to do, but it's brief, this whole life of that. And every year I put another marble in and, and think, well, there's another year in the books. It causes me to want to live life better. Life is fragile. Life is fragile, is it not? When I was a freshman in college, me and my friend Mike, who happens to be here today, my college roommate, he uh, owned a 1971 short bed Bronco. You guys remember those? He had a very cool and uh, green one. And we had to drive back and forth to Rangeley, Colorado, which is, most of you don't even know where that is, and you go, I've been in Colorado all my life. It's on the western slope, and it's near Dinosaur, Colorado. So we played baseball out there. And we were driving home somewhere around Christmas break or after Christmas break. And we got outside of Rifle, Colorado. And there were four of us. Mike was driving, another friend sitting shotgun, and me and another guy in the back seat. And just in Rifle, Colorado, we started talking about dying. Because we had talked about people who had died in car wrecks. So we all just ching, you know, we decided we better buckle up here. And uh, we got outside of, of Eagle Vale. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting in the back seat, uh, back shotgun seat. And I said, Mike, put in that, this is going to date me a little bit, put in that Bon Jovi cassette, right? Slippery when wet. So he leans into the console and begins to pull that out. And the, the road curved. And in that short wheelbase, we, we overcorrected. And I'll never forget hearing Mike go, hold on. <laughs> And we rolled once, twice, three times. I counted four times, all the way up to six times, ended up down in a ravine upside down in the vehicle. We were all still buckled hanging there. And I remember when, the, when we first hit, I, I saw right where I would have landed. My hat was in the, I was wearing a ball cap and my hat was in the highway. And I remember the tire jack hit me in the back of the head. So I covered up. And I was not a a Christian at the time, and I started calling out to God. You know how you do that, right? I said, God, don't let me die. God, don't let me die. Roll after roll. And all of a sudden, we got up, and we unbuckled, and we were kind of all in shock. I mean, suitcases were everywhere, and it was. I started putting stuff away. I mean, what are you doing? (laughs) The bottom line was, is man, we were this close to all being gone. If he didn't, if we didn't have our seatbelts on, and he didn't have a roll bar, those two key things, we were done. Let me show you a picture. Of the vehicle. That was Mike's Bronco. I was sitting in the back seat. Mike, look where Mike was driving. I remember Mike got out and he looked like an all-star wrestler. Remember when they used to cut themselves and 
looked way worse than it was. It was a little nick, but something when you bleed on your face. Whoa, dude, you all right? And we're all basically walked away with scratches and bumps and bruises over that. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense that we were alive. But God had a plan for us. He had a plan for Mike. He had a plan for me and the other two guys that were in the car. And that's, that's why we're here today. So when you come across things like that, you realize life is brief. And there is a certainty to the day of our death. We cannot avoid it. Erwin McManus said this. He said, life is the sum total of what you do with the moments given you. You have no control over when you die, or most often, how you die. But you do have control over how you live. I like that. None of us knows how much time we have, but we do get to determine how we live. We do. We have a say in how we live today. So what should we do with this? That brings up my second point. Don't blink and then budget your time. Budget your time. Many of us in, there, in this room hopefully budget your money. And a, and a budget for your money is you are telling your money what you want it to do rather than life and bills and everything thing else piling up and telling you what to do with your money. So when you learn to live within a budget, whatever it is, however small it is, you're telling your money what you want it to do rather than the opposite there, rather than just winging it. I tell you this, take this to the bank. Learn how to budget your time over the things that are most important. Learn how to budget your time over what matters most more than anything else that you do. When you do that, you're spending it right. As the psalmist said, he said, teach us to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom. That's budgeting your time. Budget the time that you have. Here's a couple facts about time. First of all, time ticks away and is constant. It doesn't fly. There's a myth that, that, man, time flew by. The last 365 days flew by. I've said that 20 times. Are you with me? How many else is, man, this year flew by. How did it become Christmas so quick? And the older you get, the quicker you feel like you're saying that. It's a trip. I was explaining that to Chase the other day. Man, you get out of high school and it's just, it's downhill from there, man. It's time-wise. It's, you're on a ski slope and you can't stop. Even if you try to bunny stop or whatever, snow plow, you can't do it. Bunny stop, whatever that is. You know what I meant. Accept the fact that we've been given a precious commodity in the amount of time that we have. It's precious. And it's up to us how we're going to spend that time. Here's another fact about time. Time, when it's spent, is gone. Yesterday is yesterday. Last year is last year, etc., etc. When it's spent, it's gone. It's like that cash in your pocket that burns a hole. It's gone. And when it's gone, it's gone. Time then also, and here's an important fact, is the currency of relationships. Time is the currency of relationships. It's what gives relationships depth. It's what gives relationships strength. Is the more time you spend together, the more time you know each other better. You have opportunity for conflict, which always strengthens a relationship. You have time for making memories together, etc. Time is the currency of relationships. And relationships are what matter most. Ultimately, at the end of the day, relationships are what matter most. Sometimes we spend a lot of time on things that won't last and things that really don't matter at the end of the day. If we were to be honest, 
people that have regrets at the end of their life, being a pastor and walking people through death and sickness and things, I've never heard somebody on their deathbed going, I wish I would have worked more. I wish I would have spent more time at the office. I wish I would have spent more time traveling and, 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 and making more money. It's I wish I would have spent time with those who were closest to me. That's, what, that's the bottom line is, man, I wish I had more time to be with those that I'm closest with. Let me give you a couple tips on this. It's not on your notes, but if you want to, write this down. Choose conversation over relaxation. Choose conversation over relaxation. I realize we live in a fast-paced world where people are busy. And you go from job A to job B to, to you know, if you, once you have children and they get busy and active, then you're, you're a taxi driver and a soccer mom and you're this and you're that and kids everywhere and life and this function and that function. And then how dare they ask me at church to be involved deeper at church, you know, and get in a home group and then I serve and I do these things and on and on and on. And it's like, wow. How do I just want to go home and veg out and turn the TV on and surf until I zone out and fall asleep and then do it all over again? Sadly, that's many of your life. Many of your lives are, you, you feel like, man, I don't have time to talk. I'm tired. I just, want to, I just want to rest. I just want to veg. Don't. Choose conversation with your spouse. Choose conversation with your children. Time. Whatever it is that causes talking to happen Take advantage of it. How do we do that? And I'm guilty of this. Put down the phone. Put down the, the surfing while we're having movie time or dinner time. Unplug a little bit. Don't pull your laptop out until the kids are in bed. Find time to, to spend time together over something. It doesn't have to be formal. It does, your time with your family, your time with loved ones does not have to be this worked up deal. You just do it. Like at dinner, eat dinner together as much as possible. When you sit down and you eat dinner together, you talk. And when you, if, you, if you're a parent and you have kids and you have drive time, take advantage of driving. Take advantage of driving together as much as possible. I realize kids are zombies on the way to school, especially high school kids. You know, they're, they're half asleep and what? Hey, yeah, did you be ready for a day? I mean, but still, I mean, just wring out what you can out of it. Somebody told me this a long time ago, and I really tried to live this because time changes. As kids move from being little to teenagers, you know, it's, it moves from mom and dad to friends. That's just the fact of life when they become teenagers. So when they're little, do every little, dad, do you want to fill in the blank? Daddy, do you want to play catch? Daddy, do you want to throw me up in the air for the 50,000th time? Daddy, do you want to lay with me? Daddy, do you want to do this? Do, do it all. Because there's coming a time where daddy do you want to means, no, I'm good, dad. I, uh, cat's in the cradle and the sill. You know, it's a, you're singing that song and you're bawling going, what happened to the time, man? So budget your time. Budget your time around things that matter most. Number three, live with the right passions, priorities, and power. If we're going to live for what matters most, we... Don't blink because life is brief. We budget our time because we're only given a, small, a, a select amount of time. Time when it's spent is done. And then live with the right passions, priorities, and power. First of all, passion. What are you passionate about? 
What are you passionate about? And you could look at your life and say, I'm passionate about this or that. What would your spouse say you're passionate about? What would your kids say you're passionate about? And we, sometimes we can think we're passionate about the right things when, when we're really not. Let's be honest. Anyone who knows me knows I'm passionate about what? Sports and baseball. Thanks for just throwing me under the rug, the rug for everybody, calling me on the carpet in front of the guests that are here today. What else am I passionate about? My kids, thank you. I'm pretty passionate about Jesus too, but you know, you get to hear me every week, right? I, I am passionate about Jesus. But the closer you are to somebody, you know what they're passionate about. Listen, Jesus and my family supersede anything else. And I'm not saying that's talking down to you. I don't want to live with regret. I don't want at the end of the day to go, geez, I should have spent more time, you know, working or doing what else. I, I want them to know at the end of the day, they were a priority. We're told in Romans, it says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Spiritual fervor is passion. Keep your spiritual passion serving the Lord. Maybe this year you pray and say, God, give me a new passion for Jesus. There used to be a song, I want a new passion for Jesus. Make that your prayer. You ever see, some, you can tell when somebody's on their honeymoon, other than the fresh sparkly rings. They're all over each other. It's honeymoon. I love you. This is great. Maybe I haven't had a fight yet or a disagreement or why do you do the toothpaste that way or the toilet roll is supposed to not go from the bottom but from the top. You know, all the little stupid things that couples get in arguments over. But there's, there is that come back to Jesus and remember your first love and remember how much he loves us and how much he's done for us and fall in love with him over and over and over again. Don't get tired of doing good. Some of you are tired of doing good because you're worn out physically. You're worn out emotionally. Press through that. Press through that with God's help and continue to do good. So our passions leads me to the next point. Passion dictates your priority. What you're passionate about is the honest priority of your life. So if you want to live for what matters most, live with passion, but live with the right priorities as well. In Mark 12, 28, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, of all the commandments, which is most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Do my priorities, do your priorities align with loving God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself? Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself and God. What do you and I need to do to re maybe rearrange our priorities around loving God and, and loving people better? And I know this to be true. The relationship that dictates all other relationships is your relationship upward to God. When you're connected deep with God and you're drawing life and strength from Him, then you're able to love your spouse correctly, your children, your friends, your neighbor, that difficult person in your life, the person that drives you nuts. You might even drive better. Jeez, who knows? God does miracles, right? You know, Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You're guilty. I've seen you leave the parking lot. 
The relationship that dictates all relationships is my relationship with God. Is spending time with God a priority to you? Or does he get leftovers? Does he get second fiddle? When you spend time in the scriptures, listen, you don't have to read eight chapters of the Bible every day. Just let God speak to you through the word. Start somewhere. And begin to read and, and, and let God speak to you. And even in those books that are hard to understand, keep reading. Ask questions. God is alive in his word and he speaks through his word. Spend time in prayer. When you wake up in the morning, ask God. Say, God, make me aware, more aware of the needs around me than my own needs. You'd be different like that. That's your prayer when you wake up. You say, Lord, I don't want to worry about just myself today. I want to worry, be part of being meeting other people's needs today. Show me. And if I'm going to live with the right passion, if I'm going to live with the right priority, here's what I know. You need power. We need to move from willpower to real power. Many of us try to live on, on, on willpower. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. I'm going to spend more time. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to read the Bible. And by January 5th, you're, you're toast, Right? You think, ah, next year. I got almost 12 months. I'll just, I'll, I'll do that next year. No, you have power. His power is available to you. Jesus said in John 15, he said, apart from me, you can do some things. He didn't, that's not what it says. Oh, apart from me, you can do a lot of things. Apart from me, you can do zip. Zero. Nothing. You can't do anything without Jesus. You are not going to live the kind of life that he wants you to live in your own willpower. It says in Ephesians, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. The power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit. Look what it says in Romans 8.11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. If you believe in Jesus and you're following him and you've put your faith, hope, and trust in him, then the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And so the same Spirit that spoke creation into being The same spirit that created the heavens and the universe and the mind-boggling things that we try to see with the Hubble telescope and other things. That same spirit spoke and a dead man came back to life and was visible by more than 500 people. So in a court of law, it was like, yeah, he's alive. And we have proof of that, that Jesus was raised from the dead. And that same spirit lives in us. If, you have, if you're a believer in Jesus, he lives in you. If you're not a believer, then you're living in your own strength. You're living in your own power. How has that worked out so far for you? There's got to come a point in your life where you give up. I can't do this. I need forgiveness. I need power. I need purpose. It goes beyond the things that I can see. And I'll ask everyone in here today. How is your spiritual fuel tank doing? How filled up are you today? Because we're told in the scriptures 
I'm not leaving. I'm just an illustration. You thought I was going to pack it in. See, I've had it. No. We're told in Scripture, be filled with the Spirit. And to be filled with the Spirit is, is to be controlled by the Spirit, to be yielded to the Spirit, to have His power. And He says that we do that by speaking to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, making music in our heart, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, putting God and others first fills you up. Brian, will you come up here? It's a football illustration, so who else do we have besides Brian, right? Brian and, and Joel. So this is a, a full football, pretty full. How far do you think you could throw that? At least to the wall. Not bad. I think I could do that too. I think you could throw it further. How far do you think, okay, you, you, Brian was in the San Diego Chargers camp, and that's how he became a Christian, and he got to be with Drew Brees. How far can Drew Brees throw that little peewee full football? 80 yards. All right. I could throw it 20. Brian can throw it 50. All right. How far do you think uh, that one would go? Plus, it's a Miami Dolphins football, too. Jeez. So. That's why that one got deflated. We bought this on vacation years ago. That's all they had at the Walmart. Thank you, Brian. You're very helpful. You want to keep that football? Good. Damien would be mad. Um, are you full or are you flat today? If this is your life and God wants to throw you, complete a pass to somebody else, are you this or are you the full football? You can be full. You can, you can be full as you deepen your relationship with God, as you live in his word, as you live in prayer, as you practice the one another's of scripture, as you meet with others, as you worship him, as you look to him, as you ask him, Spirit of God, fill me today. Fill me fresh and new. Fill me for this new year to be aware of what's going on around me that my life Will, will be lived for what matters most. Last thing, I'll tell you this. If you're going to live for what matters most, you don't blink, budget your time, live in the right passions, priorities, and power. And I'll tell you this, take risks. Take risks. If you're going to live for what matters most, you're going to take risks. Risk, simply by definition, is... The possibility of, of suffering, the possibility of loss, the possibility of harm. So we always say this. If you're going to risk something, what's the reward on the other side of the risk? Is the risk worth the reward? Do you know how many times Jesus has told us in Scripture that if we would lose our lives for him and the gospel's sake, we'll gain so much more than we ever could dream. And that doesn't mean when you follow Jesus that everything's just going to do, do, do and fall in order and life's going to be perfect. And No, you're not going to skate through life easy. Following Jesus is hard. He didn't say take up your easy chair. He said take up your cross. And so following Jesus has in, innate difficulties in it. But the reward in this life and the life to come blows it all out of the water. I was thinking about this. We're coming up on our three-year anniversary of Novation here in January. Three years old. Now, we're still little toddlers, like, walking around trying to figure this out because 
we still don't know what we're doing, but we're trying. <laughs> yeah, just kidding, guess. We know what we're doing. <laughs> we really know what we're doing. At least Janelle knows what she's doing, that's for sure. But I remember three and a half years ago, I was jogging. And on my playlist was Right Now by Van Halen. Yes, it could be an argument, David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar. I'll go with Sammy Hagar. Anyway, whole other digression there. I, that song came on, Right Now. It's your tomorrow, you know, choose it today. Don't put it off. And God spoke to me through that song that stop putting off planting the new church that is on your heart. Stop putting it off. Today's the day that it was time to take a risk. I'm so glad that we risked and that you risked with us to see all that God has done in three years, the friendships. The relationships, the lives that have been changed. We've baptized over 60 people that have pro- proclaimed faith in Jesus. We've, we've seen lives get restored and healed and people have friendships that they didn't have before and a place to belong that they didn't have before. Paul says this in Acts chapter 20 verse 24. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task The Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. When I graduated Bible college in 1995, still wet behind the ears, right? I actually had a dark beard when I graduated. I saw a picture of that. And big, huge Michael J. Fox glasses. It was pretty sweet. But um, that'll be throwback Thursday. That was my life verse that I said I wanted to spend my life like Paul did. Spreading the gospel of Jesus wherever I could go. Whatever God would call me to do. This was in my heart way back then. To see what we're doing today and what God has for us tomorrow. We're praying, how does Novation Church take a risk this year? Where do we risk for the gospel's sake? Where do we risk relationally, financially, etc. into this community and into the world? Paul, the context of this verse is... Paul was, had been with the, the church at Ephesus, the Ephesian church, for three years. He had planted the church, loved these people, they loved him, and he had a call from God to go to Jerusalem. And somebody had a prophetic word that, if Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, I see you bound in chains and imprisonment and beatings are ahead of you. And please don't go. And they begged Paul not to go and they cried and they fell on him and they said, please don't go. And he said, stop. However, I consider my life worth nothing, that I only might complete what God had called him to do. And we don't know what this next year has for us. He was going not knowing what was ahead of him. God is calling you to risk this year in some way, in some form. You've been putting it off. You've been going, la, 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 I'm not listening to it. Maybe if you don't hear him, then you don't have to do it. You know what it is he's been asking you to do. It might, might seem you know, small to you, but obedience is big to God. We always want to know how things are going to turn out, don't we? Hey, God, is it going to turn out okay? Am I going to be all right? You know, will it be very fruitful? If it's fruitful and I'm going to be okay, then yeah, I'll do it. Okay, God, sign me up. And you go, and he says, I'm not going to tell you how it's going to turn out. Will you be faithful? Will you be obedient? I'm going to show you a video clip I found. That illustrates this very point 
of going and not knowing, taking a risk relationally, taking a risk for the gospel. You do not have to, to ask God if it's his will for you to share Jesus with somebody. You don't have to ask if it's his will to be good to somebody, to love your neighbor as yourself. It's always his will. Those of us going on this, this mission trip, we didn't have to say, God, is it your will that we go bless our the fellow church mates, bless the people down there? But he wants us to go. It's the, the command is go. Go till you get a no. He'll let you know. <laughs> Whoa, I'm a poet and didn't know it. I might start rapping. Anyway, let's get back to the video. I want to watch this video, and whatever it is you're thinking about God is challenging you to do, put yourself in the shoes of this guy who is getting ready to jump off a cliff into some fog. He has no idea what's down there. He's going to do it anyway. Let's join this guy. What would he miss out if he doesn't jump? I mean, I'm doing this. I see the fog. I'm like, hey, uh, throw a rock. Uh, uh, Well, but... The fact is, he obviously knew there was a parking lot down there and probably had done it before. I bet you what God's challenging you with, you know God will be faithful. He's not going to make it easy, but he's asking you to jump. He's asking you to take a risk for him, for the gospel, to further his purposes in the world. And I don't know what it is. I'd love to help you. If you don't know, if you want to process this, we have plenty of leaders and people that would love to talk to you about it. But there's something that God's challenging you. It's time to jump. What are you putting off? What are you afraid of? Where are you being challenged to risk? There are just some things we don't need to pray about. We just need to jump. We need to go do it. Would you stand to your feet with me? We're going to pray. What matters most? Love for God, love for people. What matters most, as Brian said, it's that our loved ones come to know Jesus in eternity and his purposes for their life. Let's commit this year to going into the new year living in light of what matters most. Next week, we're going to talk about loving in light of what matters most because really, it does boil down to love. It's going to boil down to that. After I pray... There's two boxes up here. Janelle had these made for you. Um, there's a man size or big size and maybe a ladies and a kid size. But on here, I'm wearing one already. It says, don't blink. And I really wanted to make these for you as a reminder as you go into the new year and you have this on your wrist, that wrist that you look down and you think, man, no, nope, I don't want to blink. Life is going to go by another 365 days, and it'll be a reminder not to blink, to to budget my time, to live in the right priorities, live with the right passions. Take a risk, man. If I blink, this opportunity might have already passed me by. I don't want that to happen. So we need to pray as as a church family. So take one of these on your way out, and they'll be available again next week. So just want people who aren't here to be able to get one next week. There should be plenty for everybody in there, but... uh, Take one on your way out. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for one another. God, thank you that we have a purpose. You have a plan for our lives and that we enter into that plan by 
trusting in your son and we're filled with your spirit and God, we know we make mistakes and we fail all the time but your mercies are new every day your mercy covers our past your mercy was new this morning and it's going to be fresh again tomorrow God I pray as we enter into this new year that we wouldn't blink that we'd be God more intentional about our time be more intentional about our key relationships. Be more intentional about living with the right passion and priorities and in your power. God, we'd take a risk for you in the kingdom. Going, not knowing how it's all going to work out. But God, the jump is worth it. And so God, we thank you for that. God, I thank you for every person in here. I pray just the blessings of heaven to rest on us as we leave from here today. May you be filled with God's presence, his power, and his joy this day and in this new year of 2015. In Jesus' name, amen.